we got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It go down. It go down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Do you want a politically incorrect gateway to a real history education? Then go to mclanahanacademy.com. That's mclanahanacademy.com. Are you ready to think locally and act locally? Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. This is episode 137. Glad to have you back on the program. Glad to be here. This is the first podcast for 2018 and I'm doing something a little different so if you're listening to this on the mp3 uh, you're just getting the audio but from here on out well at least this works okay I'm also going to uh, put this podcast on YouTube in video form so if you want to watch the video of me doing the podcast you can go on out to my YouTube channel you can find that uh, just go out and search for Brian McClanahan. Of course, I'm going to go through some usual things here. Uh, you can find me on all my social media, at Brian McClanahan on Twitter, at Brian McClanahan on Facebook, and, of course, my YouTube page, Brian McClanahan. Also, if you want to help support the Brian McClanahan Show, you can go to brianmcclanahan.com forward slash support. You can throw a few pennies my way, help keep the lights on, help keep the podcast going. Also, while you're there, give me an email address, and I will give you a free ebook and audiobook. Forgotten Founders in American History, the audiobook read by yours truly. And, of course, I have my McClanahan Academy, which has two courses, one on secession, one on Alexander Hamilton. So go on out there and pick those up. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. So a lot of exciting things going on for the Brian McClanahan Show and, of course, a lot of other things I'm doing this year. Uh, starting next week, hopefully, uh, you will have, you can see that uh, if you've gone out and looked at my social media, there is a new logo for the Brian McClanahan Show. I should have some merchandise for that, so you can go on, go on out and order that uh, when I have it available. Again, it should be probably next week, so look for that if you want to get a T-shirt or uh, all kinds of things, notebooks, pens. I mean, we've got it for the Brian McClanahan Show logo, so go on out and pick that stuff up, too. Okay, so I wanted to uh, do this uh, this video because maybe you wanted behind the scenes. Where do I record these videos? What do I do when I'm recording the podcast? Uh, what are my notes like? That kind of thing. So, uh, again, if you want to watch this, going out to my YouTube channel. And this first podcast of 2018, I think, is a really interesting topic. And it doesn't have anything to do with my Think Locally, Act Locally uh, theme, but... It does have something to do with history, and it has to do with a lot of the stuff that I've written. In particular, it has to do with this idea that there is a simple explanation for just about anything in history. So years ago when I wrote my first book, which uh, was, uh, um, I'm sorry, The Politically Incorrect Guide to the Founding Fathers, I remember I had somebody email me and say, in, in, a, in a conversation, and he suggested that there was only one explanation for 
a certain event in American history. And you might guess what that event is, and of course he was talking about the war, and he said there's only, it can only go down to one thing, and that is slavery. So slavery, the only slavery thesis, and of course I've talked about this on the podcast before, I've gotten into things like uh, did tariffs cause the war, uh, what about slavery, all of these particular issues which are important, I mean, we debate these things nonstop. But I think it comes down to an understanding of history that's a little bit skewed. And actually it goes back, and this individual brought this up, and he said, you know what it is? It's Occam's razor. Now, if you're not familiar with the term Occam's razor, the idea is that the simplest explanation, if you have multiple explanations on the table, the simplest one is usually the correct one. So if you're talking about, well, there's complex things going on here. It's it's uh, this thing is this issue is complex and so uh, but you have this very simple explanation then the idea is a simple explanation is always the right one now I'm going to talk about that in context in a minute in this Occam's razor in, in the context of Occam's razor but I want to start actually with a quotation about history and this quotation is by David Shannon now David Shannon is not a historian David Shannon is actually a children's book author but David Shannon had a wonderful quote about history. And his quote is simply this. Life is not simple, and therefore history, which is past life, is not simple. Now that is in direct conflict with the idea of Occam's razor, which is that there is a simple explanation for anything in history. A simple explanation. If you have a cause and effect situation, there's going to be a simple explanation, and then, of course, you can have the complex explanations, but those would always be wrong because of Occam's razor. Well, what Shannon is saying, of course, is profound. We're all complex people. People do things for a variety of reasons. You might do uh, respond to a certain situation a certain way, and it could be based on a number of experiences or factors that lead into that, not simply one. Now, you could, of course, suggest that, well, you know, if somebody is broke, they have no money, they might do something irrational because they have no money. And you could explain it away by saying, well, they're broke. Well, maybe not. Because let's say that person goes out and steals something because they're broke. Is that the only reason they stole it? Or could there be something else going on there? Could there be an underlying philosophical or behavioral issue at play there? Could it be something else besides just I don't have any money, so I'm going to steal, because some, lots of people that don't have any money don't steal. So something else is at work there. So see, this is where Occam's razor creates all kinds of problems. Now, if you're not familiar with Occam's razor, uh, this actually comes out of the medieval period. And there was a man named William of Occam, which is in uh, England. He was a theologian, a monk. And <clears throat> essentially, <clears throat> what he was saying with Occam's razor, what's been called Occam's razor, he was trying to explain the existence of God, and he was applying this to science as well. So see, Occam's razor was never intended from the beginning to really be used towards a humanities, towards history or literature. It was always intended as a theological tool or a philosophical tool or a scientific tool. Because remember, at this particular time when Occam was, was writing in the late Middle Ages, they were being confronted with the idea of science and what science actually meant. And did science disprove God or did God, did, did God prove science and all these things they're wrestling with. And so, of course, the existence of God itself, this is something that theology 
has to wrestle with constantly. Not every theologian, even St. Thomas Aquinas, didn't buy Occam's razor. It wasn't necessarily something that he thought was correct, because he thought it was too simplistic. But, of course, people now have run with this. In fact, I was watching a television show the other day, Gotham, and uh, they brought up Occam's razor. And so people run with this, and they start applying it to all kinds of things. You can use it to solve crimes. You can use it to explain history. You can use it to explain uh, some, the way somebody acts. You can use it for anything. It's Occam's razor. But how simplistic can history actually be? And so let me give you some examples. And let's talk about this. And we'll, go, we'll circle back around to the war in a minute. So this is a fallacy in logic. And in fact, the next two podcasts, I'm going to talk a lot about logic. So this is a fallacy of logic to say that, these, that Occam's razor somehow applies to the humanities, which history is a humanity. It's not a social science. It's not a science at all. And I think that's unfortunately where, where people think that you can apply something like Occam's razor to the study of history, which is the study of man. And man's complexities make simple answers really impossible. So if I said to you World War II was caused by anti-Semitism, would that be correct? Or if I was to say to you, World War II was caused by the invasion of Poland, would that be correct? Or if I was to say World War I was caused by the assassination of the Archduke Franz Ferdinand, would that be correct? Or if I was to say to you, the Vietnam War was caused by the Gulf of Tonkin incident, would that be correct? Or the Vietnam War was caused by anti-communism, would that be correct? Or if I was to say to you the Gulf War was caused by the invasion of Kuwait by Saddam Hussein, would that be correct? Or if I was to say to you the Gulf War was caused by oil, would that be correct? Or would it be correct to say the Cold War was caused by anti-communism, would that be correct? Or we could pose other questions. What caused the Cold War? What caused World War I? What caused World War II? What caused the Vietnam War or the Korean War? Or we can go back in history. You can say, what caused the Peloponnesian Wars? What caused the Punic War? And historians will go out, and they will always try to find complex reasonings for these particular conflicts. No one, no one that I've ever read, would sit down and say that any of these wars were caused by anything but complexities. No one goes out and says, well, you know, the French Revolution uh, was simply caused because they hated the king. Or the French Revolution was caused because the people of Paris stormed the Bastille. No one does that. We always look for multiple reasons why a major conflict like the French Revolution would take place. Or a major conflict like World War II would take place. Or World War I or the Cold War. We always go out and search for complexity. Life is not simple, and therefore history, which is past life, is not simple. Historians embrace this concept consistently when they are deal dealing with complex subjects, except for one. Now, they'll even do this to the American War for Independence. It's caused by several things. It can be caused by a, a, a dispute over taxes, over Parliament's power of the colonies, constitutional crisis, the search for the protection of English liberties. We can do these things all day when it comes to every war but one.
It's slavery and nothing but slavery. Or then on the other side, you have people say, well, no, it can't be that at all. It has to be tariffs. Tariffs and nothing but tariffs. And so the fun part about this is this Occam's razor, because this comes back to that. Comes right back to the idea of Occam's razor. So when you look at the war, when David Blight, the distinguished historian at Yale, stands up and says it was slavery, can we actually say that slavery caused the war? How about did the firing on Fort Sumter cause the war? Did secession cause the war? What caused secession? Even that is a subject that has complexities. Because, for example, when people trot out the South Carolina Declaration of Causes, they say, there it is. It's right here. It's right in this document. You have it listed here. Slavery caused South Carolina secession. But yet, the same convention produced two reports, one by moderates, which actually is the one that people cite the most. The moderates produced that report. And, of course, then the other, written by Robert Barnwell Rett, that was much more complex. And Rett was advocating for secession far longer than anyone in the moderate group in South Carolina. So was secession caused by something immediate like a fear of the Lincoln administration's stance on slavery? That somehow the North would have simply eradicate the institution? Or was it caused by various long-standing cultural, political, and economic differences between the two sections, which you can trace all the way back to the colonial period? One is complex, one is simple. Which one is right? Even the one that's complex would list a potential, a potential threat to slavery as part of the issue. But it wasn't the only part of it. In fact, Jefferson Davis stood up in 1850 and said, you know, slavery really is just masking a bigger problem here. And that's the problem that's been there since 1788 when the Constitution was ratified. You have two sections with various and varying cultural, economic, and political differences. And slavery is just an issue that has been ongoing between the North and South since the 1790s, really since 1788. But we started talking about secession, New England talking about secession, all the way back in 1794. And, of course, the threat of secession was there in 1787 when the Constitution was hammered out in Philadelphia and then, of course, ratified as one of the reasons why we had the Constitution, because there was a great fear that somehow the Union would dissolve, because sectional differences were too much to hold it together. The only way you could hold the Union together was to compromise and not just that, have a central authority with such limited power that each section would feel secure in their own regional and state governments or regional culture and state governments in protecting itself from the other sections. When that broke down, when nationalism became the curse, which is what it was, we start seeing the fracturing of the Union. You see, this is what I talk about in my book, How Alexander Hamilton Screwed Up America. It was nationalism that was always the curse. Always the curse. Because nationalism creates a situation where you can't think locally and act locally. 
You can't. It has to be one size fits all top down. And so when one side is in power, this is what Calhoun pointed out over and over again. When one side's in power, they clamor for the spoils and they're going to abuse the other side. And then the other side comes into power. It's the same thing. When you have nationalism and centralization, this is what you get. This is why you have people uh, having fits when Donald Trump was elected, s screaming at the sky on the anniversary of Trump's election because they think their world is falling down. But in reality, nothing much has changed for them, really at all. Nothing much at all. It's all perception. Because, again, the rubber meets the road in your local government, your local community. So these are complex people. We would say that. I mean, Abraham Lincoln was a complex guy. Jefferson Davis was a complex guy. Jefferson Davis didn't want secession, but he went with Mississippi when Mississippi seceded from the Union. Theoretically, Abraham Lincoln didn't want war, yet when war was presented to him, he took the option. That's theoretically. I think you could say that Lincoln did want war. The evidence is there. But yet, there can be a case made that he didn't want war. He was kind of dragged into the war. Complexity. We're fine with complexity in every other issue in America, but this one particular issue. And so you have to ask yourself, why is that? Why is every other war, why is every other event in American history, Why can we explain all these other events with complexity? And why can we not explain this one event with complexity? And I think, of course, that comes down to a number of factors. One is the emotional response of the war among a number of people. And, of course, the way the war, it's often seen as the holy grail in American history. Control the, the narrative of the war, and you control the narrative of government in America. What kind of government do we have? Do we have a strong central authority or not? Do the states have any powers or not? Can the states retard unconstitutional federal legislation, or can they not? If they can, and this is interesting, I actually saw Montel Williams the other day, who's, who was very upset about uh, Jeff Sessions coming in and saying, you know what, all that decriminalization of marijuana, that's not going to happen. We're going to start enforcing these things. And so Montel Williams was very upset, and he actually posted, hey, one party says they're all for states' rights, but in this case they're not, and this is, this is hypocritical. Of course, Montel Williams at times can be fairly inconsistent in his theory, but he, he's, kind of, he's a left-winger. He says he's, he doesn't really say, ever say he's conservative, but he's, he says he's a Republican, and he's saying he's for states' rights. And he was jumped on by a number of people. He said, isn't this a dog whistle for racism? How so? But this is the issue now, because states' rights, the war, this is what it's wrapped up in, which is why it has to be, it has to be for a certain section of the population, not based on race or anything else, but for a certain ideological bent in America. It has to be about slavery. It has to be, because if it's not about slavery, if it was simply about union, if that's all it was, and the Constitution should have been maintained as it was before the war when the war was over, with the exception of the 13th Amendment, or the 15th Amendment, or even the 14th Amendment, which has been distorted 
and changed by the Supreme Court. But still, if it's not about slavery, then you cannot justify, in theory, the slaughter of a million people. It has to be about slavery. It can't be about anything else. Because you have to justify it in one way or another. You see, World War II doesn't, doesn't have to be about anything but Americans liberating Europe. Because, of course, in that process, we're also going after anti-Semitism, we're going after Nazism, we're going after fascism, we're going after these things. We're going after totalitarian governments, but were we really? Because we were aligned with a totalitarian government in the Soviet Union. And then, we aligned ourselves with totalitarian governments all over the world during the Cold War. So we were really anti-totalitarian? Not really. Not at all. But it has to be about these moral issues, because if not, you can't justify in the American mind, you cannot justify the slaughter of millions of people for any other cause. You really couldn't justify the slaughter of a million men for the Union, because what does that actually mean? One side is going to look bad in that particular situation, but if you say the war is about slavery and that's it, well, then you can justify it. So you get this Occam's razor, this very simple explanation to a complex issue. If you say that slavery was the cause of secession, and it's simple, that's it, then you can demonize one side, and the other side becomes the men in White House riding in to save the day. You see, this is the point. This is why this Occam's razor, this very simple explanation, is just completely stupid. Because in every other issue in America, every other issue, you're allowed, you're allowed to talk about complexity. But not in the war. And so I would hope that when you go out and you talk to people about the war, and you say things like, well, you know, the war is complex. Just by saying that, you're not saying that slavery was an important issue. It was. I've talked about that. I had a podcast on it, Why Slavery. I mentioned that. Talked about why slavery was important. It was a very important issue in the 19th century as part of a larger political conflict. But when somebody comes back and says, no, 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 it's all about slavery, you have to understand the position they're coming from is to justify the slaughter of a million people. You have to have that. Because the North's position looks very weak beyond that. They look like King George. They look like the imperialists invading a people that had democratically elected self-determination. This is why I've always been interested in that conflict and why I've always said, well, I mean, the American War for Independence, which we all step back and say, you know what, July 4th, Great Day, Independence, we're, we're out of the... There was, there was a more pronounced opposition to the American War for Independence in the American colonies and there was in the South in the 1860s against independence there. The side, the, the anti-independence people in the American War for Independence, I mean, they were abused. Their story is not told. They're called Tories and demonized. Why? Because they were on the wrong side. But had the George Washington or Thomas Jefferson or James Madison, had they lost Monroe, all the founding generation, had they lost Ben Franklin, John Adams, 
things might have looked different. They would have been demonized. But was their cause any less just? If they had lost, we still look back and say their cause was unjust. Maybe they would have, because the British, of course, Lord Dunmore, who was the royal governor of Virginia, issued an Emancipation Proclamation, would we go back and say, well, you know what, there it was. That war was about slavery. These slaveholders in Virginia were trying to secede to protect slavery. They were trying to have their independence to protect slavery. Would we do that? Or would we look at the complexities surrounding it? This is why the study of history is so interesting to me, because of the complexities, because life is not simple, and therefore history, which is past life, is not simple. And in every issue, you have to talk about the complexities. And when you start talking to people, and, and hammer them this, with this. So, oh, well, are there complex issues surrounding this war? How about this war? How about this issue in history? How about this issue in American history? Was it all about this, this, or this? And when somebody says, well, yeah, but I mean, this, this other thing, well, there's no complexity here. They say it right here. Well, okay, what about this document? What about this Declaration of Causes of Secession? This other one that was produced by the convention in South Carolina. What about these other documents, these other declarations of the causes of secession in other states outside of the Deep South? What about Northerners who were opposed to invading the South and thought secession was okay? What about, what were they saying? Did they all say it was slavery that was causing the South to leave the Union? Many of them did. But did they all? And if it's only slavery, that makes it very convenient for the other side to pass moral judgment. It's uh, what's often called the treasury of counterfeit virtue. It's a virtue, moralistic argument. It's, it's actually based more on emotion, which I'm going to get into in podcast 138. It's based more on emotion than anything else. This is an emotional response to a very complex question. The firing on Fort Sumter didn't start the war. Lincoln even sending in 75,000 troops didn't start the war. Secession didn't start the war. All of those things worked in to a war that had been brewing for nearly 80 years, that had been brewing for so long that people were talking about secession in 1794, that people were talking about secession in 1787, because they recognized, if you go back and read the debates in the Philadelphia Convention, people like Gouverneur Morris, they recognized that the sections were different, that the people were different, the North and South. There was no, there was no American nation, per se. It didn't exist. There were sections, there were states, and so we had to have a loose central authority. And of course, people say, no, 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 it had to be stronger. The central authority was still loose in terms of it had more power, but it didn't have the power that the central authority has today. The war created that, and then subsequent administrations expanding power unconstitutionally. This is where we have to get into these things, because the complexities are there. This Occam's razor cannot apply to history at all. So when anyone uses that, shut them down. You might be able to make this case, maybe. I think people have, have pretty much torn this theory apart when it comes to science. You might be able to. You might be able to use it with theology, maybe even philosophy. But history, never. Because no one, even listening to this podcast or walking around, even people we don't agree with, none of them are just simple people. They're all complex. They do things for various reasons. 
You ask somebody why you did something, I don't know. I just did it. You get that a lot, particularly with teenagers and young adults. Why'd you do that? I don't know. I just did it. There's no logical reason for why they did what they did. They just did. And we have to accept that. Maybe there's several reasons. Maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe they had a breakup. Maybe they had something going on. Maybe there's financial problems. Maybe there's stress. Who knows? But you did it. And you could even list and say, well, I did it because of this, but is that the only reason? Is that the only reason? Is that the only reason you do something? This is why we have to understand that history is a complex subject. It's the hardest subject. I tell my students all the time. It is the hardest subject you're ever going to take in college. Why? Because I can talk about anything in history, and all these things matter. Whereas if I go to another course, I'm only going to talk about that particular subject, that particular field in history, essentially. I mean, everything really is history. Even if you're taking mathematics, it's the history of mathematics, and you learn how to do these problems based on what people have done before. But I can talk about all of that stuff in history, and it all matters. It's all relevant. So when you're arguing with the people on social media about simplistic causes, bring this up. Well, would you say this about something else? Would you say this about this issue or that issue? If they say no, then you have them. If they say, oh, yeah, all this, then they're just, they're not very good historians. Hope you enjoy the video version of this podcast. Again, we're going to try this. If you like it on YouTube, leave a comment saying, I like that. If you don't like it, say, nah, go back to the other way. Uh, this is a trial and error thing, so we're giving it a shot here. But if you're listening to it on the MP3, through the regular SoundCloud or through my website, hope you enjoyed that. If you want to see the podcast, you can go over to YouTube. Again, just go out and look for Brian McClanahan on YouTube. Or if you go to my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com, all my social media buttons are at the top of the page. While you're giving me your email, you can get, you can subscribe to my social media. And, of course, all, as always, as I mentioned, McClanahan Academy, it's always free to sign up for that. So as I add content to that, you're going to see more. And uh, if, you, if you do sign up for McClanahan Academy, I'll start sending out emails to that when new things go up. So you might want to purchase one of my courses there. So I'll see you next time on The Brian McClanahan Show.